Living a Life Worth Giving, our summer series. And uh, I call it living a story worth telling. I see the world through story. Stories are all around us. You know, humans, we love stories. Movies, TVs, plays, drama, um, webisodes. Now there's a whole set of stories going through the web now. Stories, stories. Um, when I study script writing, because when I'm writing scripts and I'm studying script writing, one of my favorite script gurus said this. He said, stories are the equipment of life. Stories are the equipment of life. And I thought, well, that wasn't an original idea. Because who was the best storyteller there was? Jesus. He told over 40 stories in his teaching. In his short time on earth, he told over 40 parables as his equipment of life to give us insight and teaching. So I see everything through story. Our life, our existence, the whole reason we're here, it's like God's big story concept. We are God's big story, a story worth telling. And one of my favorite scriptures is Ephesians 2.10. And um, it says that we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do good things that he has planned for us long ago. Okay, and as I look through the lens of story, how do I interpret this scripture? We are God's masterpieces. We are God's lead characters. We are God's protagonists in this world. And we are made new in Christ. And we can do all good things he has planned for us long ago. He planned this long ago. The script is written and he has a role for us to play. We are his masterpiece. We are the protagonists. We are part of his story. Let's tell it well. <clears throat> Forgive me if I'm coughing a bit and sniffling. I got really sick about four weeks ago, and I'm still getting rid of it. But I was home from work for, for a few days because I was, it was a really bad cold. And I couldn't sleep. It was so bad I couldn't sleep. You know, that kind of wakes you up every, like, two hours because you're miserable. And um, so I said, I'm just going to watch some TV or watch a movie or something, and I have. Maybe that'll distract me, tire me out, put me to sleep. I was long for, for a couple days. And um, I had the John Adams series, which was a mini-series that HBO had done on John Adams, the founding father, one of our founding fathers. And I said, oh, I'll watch that. Let me, let me check that out. I said, I don't know if it's going to be any good. Historical dramas can kind of be iffy. You never know. And um, so, I, so I started watching it, and it was really good. It was really good. Of course, I was completely antihistamined up. I, had <laughs> I was sick and it was full of antihistamines, but I thought it was really good. And I'm sitting there, you know, and I'm sick, and I'm on the edge of my seat going, what's going to happen? I mean, the, the choices these guys had to make and the pressure situations they were in. And when we think beautiful document, the Declaration of Independence, and all the guys signed it, these guys had their lives on the line. These guys were, were considered traitors by the British Army, and there was a decree saying any traitor can be killed on sight. And I thought, these guys were not just, we think it's a good idea. They put their lives on the line. And for, and for a while there, I'll be honest, for a while there, I was like, is it going to happen? Are they going to do it? Are they going to be able to get Pennsylvania on their side? Because Virginia says they won't vote unless Pennsylvania votes. And I was like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? It, it does. It does, by the way. It totally happens. They totally signed the Declaration of Independence. Our country was born, yes. But I, I love that. It's a good story because in the middle of it, I'm like, what's going to happen next? What, what's going to happen next? Or what is this person going to do now? That's the stuff of story. That's the life of story, the energy of story. You know, and that, and what is good in story is what is true in life. What's going to happen next? How is this person going to react to this? How am I going to react to this? 
I think it's summed up really well in, a, in the quote I put in your handout by Charles Swindoll, the middle quote. And he said this, he said, I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. What's gonna happen next? What are you gonna do? That's the energy of life. What's gonna happen? Good story stuff. And so as I was thinking through, yeah, it's a good story because of how it was, you know, it was told. And I said, there's another principle that I've learned in all my studying of script writing. And when I'm writing scripts for our dramas and everything, is um, you have a character. And a character is made up of two things. They're made up of their characterization and their character. That kind of sounds like the same thing, but let me explain the difference. A characterization are observable traits about the character. Tall, short, talks loud, talks fast, funny, big ears, good with uh, computers. Those are all observable traits. And then you have character. And what is the character of this character? The character is only revealed in the choices they make under pressure. True character, it's a story principle I learned. True character is only revealed in the choices they make under pressure. It's kind of like the saying we have that you never really know somebody until they're tested. You never really know yourself until you're tested. And I thought, you know, how are we living for God? How are we living for God? Is it reflective in our choices? Are we living a life worth giving? Is it reflected in our choices? And it reminded me of something I read a few years ago from Steven Spielberg, that when people ask him to watch a film or he's screening a film for the first time, he says he'll watch the movie without the sound on. He'll just watch it without the sound. And he says, can I see what's going on? Can I tell who the characters are? Can I tell by their choices where the story's going? And is the story satisfying? Without hearing a word of dialogue, he just watches what happens. And I thought, wow, what if Steven Spielberg were to watch my life without the sound turned on? I'm sure a few friends of mine would like that because I talk an awful lot. But I said, wow, what if Steven Spielberg were to watch the, my life without the sound turned on? And what would he say? What would he say is my, how would he describe my character based on what he saw me do? What would he say that, of what he thinks is important to me based on what I do? And I thought, wow, wow. I don't know if I'd want to watch that movie. And I thought there can be sometimes a disconnect between what we say is important, even what we believe is important, but is that reflecting in our choices that we make? It's kind of like that Forrest Gump adage, stupid is what stupid does. You know, it's like love is what love does. Love is what love does. What are the choices we're making? How are we living our life? How is that reflecting? How are we living our life for the Lord? How is that reflected in our choices? And I thought, okay, so if there's a disconnect, how, um, why? Why do we sometimes have the disconnect between what we profess and what we actually walk out? What are some of the reasons for that? And I thought about it. I said, I think sometimes it's just plain mindlessness. I think we're not very mindful sometimes about what we're doing. I call it kind of going on autopilot. We just kind of go on autopilot through our day. And we have habits that we just fall into. We do things, we just do them without thinking now. I mean, at one point we did make a decision, we made a choice. But then from now on, that, that program is just running. And we are just on autopilot. And so I thought, wow, OK, I need to really stop and be mindful of the choices I'm making. We make choices every moment of the day. 
I gotta really be mindful of my choices. Stop just going on autopilot. Think about it. And I said, okay, I think it's one of the second reasons why I think this can be a disconnect between what we say and what we do is I had to ask, well, am I making the decision? What am I, am I making the decision? Or what am I allowing to inform my decision? Maybe I'm kind of relinquishing my decision to something else. What is that? You know, maybe I've got a whole bunch of fear in my life, fear of rejection, fear of what's gonna happen, just fear in general. Is that what's making my decisions? Am I allowing fear to make my choices for me? Maybe it's hurt or rejection. Maybe it's bitterness. Are those things informing my decisions? I think a lot of people in this life, and especially singles, because I'm single, I think a lot of people make their decisions based out of loneliness, based out of loneliness. That is what is informing their decisions and how they're spending their time and what they're doing. So beyond being mindful, it's like, what am I allowing to inform my decisions? What, what, is, what is actually making the decisions? And then third, I think sometimes we just don't feel like we have any power. We're powerless. I don't have a choice. I can't do it. I just, I can't. And then I said, you know, I can understand that. I think I felt that way in my life too. Just that feeling of powerlessness. It's not going to make a difference. What's the point? But you know what? Then I remember that scripture in Ephesians. <clears throat> We are God's masterpiece. What does that mean? We are made in the image of God. God said, let there be man and let's create him in our image. What does that mean to be made in the image of God? I look at it as we have just a tiny bit of what God has infinitely. We have the power to choose. We have free will. We have the power to choose. That is what the image of God is. We are not without choices. At the very least, though, we're not without choices. We're not without choices. Okay, well, Gretchen, that's nice, but uh, I didn't choose to uh, have my loved one die. I didn't choose that. I didn't choose to be betrayed by a friend. I didn't choose to be diagnosed with a disease. I didn't choose that. What do you mean I have choice? I didn't choose that. That's true. There are a lot of things in life that we don't choose. They happen that we don't have a choice in. But what we do have a choice is how we're going to respond to it. How are we going to respond to it? We can't always choose how we feel about it. Emotions are going to come up. They're kind of wild. They're kind of unruly. You know, I'm going to feel hurt. I'm going to feel scared. But in that moment, I have a choice how I'm going to respond to that emotion, how I'm going to respond to that action. We have a choice. Life is 10% what happens to us, 90% how we react or respond to it. You know, okay, so I have a choice. I have a choice of how I respond. I can do all things through Christ. You've told me I'm made in the image of God. I have the power to choose. Yes. What if I don't want to? <laughs> I don't want to. I know what's right. I know what the word says. I know what's the right thing to do. I don't want to. I have been hurt too many times by this person. I don't want to forgive them. I don't want to be generous and gracious with them. They hurt me too much. I don't want to serve. I, I, I don't want to. I want to sit here and I want to sit on my couch and I want to watch my movie. I don't want to serve. I know I should. I know I want to, but I don't want to. I don't want to forgive. I don't want to live. Sometimes you just don't want to. I understand that. I have not wanted to. You know? 
But then I remember another one of my favorite scriptures in Philippians. It's in your handout. It's the first one at the top. And uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, a church that he founded, but he's now back in Rome, and so he writes these letters to them. And he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? Does that mean we're supposed to live life? No, no. What does the fear and trembling mean? The fear and trembling says to me that we need to have a deep respect for the choices we make. We have a deep respect for what our salvation means and how we walk it out. Have reverence for that. What we do matters. The choices we make matter. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And here's the key. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Both to will and to do. God doesn't just give us the ability. He'll give us the will to do it. Sometimes I pray, Lord, give me the want to. I don't want to. Give me the want to. Sometimes, Lord, give me the want to want to. You know? For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. At any moment of our choice, our reaction, he will give you the will. All we have to do is choose to ask. Help me, Lord, give me that will. Give me the will to live a story worth telling. Give me the will to make the right choices. As um, Pastor Terry mentioned, I'm kind of a student of culture. I do like to see what's out there. I kind of see what's the culture, what's going on in the culture, what's hitting, what is the culture really affected by, what are they really like, what are they gravitating towards. Um, and obviously, you know, I always like to say, you know, what, what movies are people gravitating towards, what parts of movies, stories, all that kind of stuff. And so I look back over the last 10 years of all of our movies, and I'm like, there's been a lot of franchises, right? And we're coming to the end of our summer here, the end of a summer blockbuster season. And I thought there's been a lot of franchises, you know, two and three movies of the same, going through, you know, Lord of the Rings, all these different things, Star Wars, all these different um, franchises. And I said, I wonder, what is the most lucrative, what is the most successful dollar-wise franchise, movie franchise out there right now? And so I did the math. I did the math over the last 10 years, and I added up all these movies. And I thought, you know, I'm surely it's like Lord of the Rings, or it's like the last, you know, Star Wars, right? And I did the math. I have it if anybody wants to challenge me. You know what it is? You know what's the most successful movie franchise in the last 10 years? Spider-Man. The three Spider-Man movies. They made well over a billion dollars. That's the most lucrative movie in the last 10 years. And I thought about it. Okay, what hit such a nerve in our culture that, it, that so many people went to see it and so much money was made by those movies? And I thought about those movies. I love Spider-Man. And uh, I thought about them and I said, you know what? Those, all three of those movies, they're all about the power of choice. All three movies about the power of choice. Yes. <laughs> okay, let's go through them. Here we go. Spider-Man 1. Right? Peter Parker, total geek, gets bitten by a radioactive spider. Suddenly he develops these incredible spidey talents. And um, what does he do? He decides, I'm going to use them to get some money so I can buy a car, so I can pr impress MJ, the girl he likes, right? So he starts, to use, you know, he starts to use his powers to do what he wants. And then we run right up into the Uncle Ben speech. Uncle Ben, remember Uncle Ben? He gives him the speech in the car and he says, Peter, with great power comes great responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. Did you know that that is actually a paraphrase of Luke 12, 48? 
Luke 12, 48 says, to whom much is given, much is required. With great power comes great responsibility. So the whole first movie of Spider-Man is, what are you gonna do with the gifts and talents that you've been given? Are you gonna be responsible? What are you gonna do? We all have gifts. We are God's masterpiece. What are we gonna do? Spider-Man 2. Movie starts out and Peter Parker is Spider-Man and he's running around saving people, pulling them out of burning buildings, arresting bad guys. But he's not uh, doing too well in school and he's not making enough money because you know he's living in a bad apartment. And MJ is complaining, I never see you, his girlfriend. So his, his relationship, his, you know, all these different things. And it gets to the point where he's like, you know, doing this whole Spider-Man thing, that is totally cramping my style. That is totally not what I want. I want the girl, I want this, I want that. I am Spider-Man no more. Remember when he says that? I'm Spider-Man no more. And he runs after all of these things. And the whole question of that movie is, are you gonna do what you've been purposed to do? Or are you gonna do what you wanna do? Are you gonna do what your gifts and callings are calling you to do? Or are you gonna do what you feel like this is what I want. I, I don't want that. I want this. That's the whole question in the second movie. And for those who haven't seen it, he chooses to be Spider-Man again because we have Spider-Man 3. <laughs> Spider-Man 3, here we go. Last one in the franchise. A lot of stuff going on here. A lot of different subplots and characters, but everyone is a variation on the same theme. The question posed in Spider-Man 3 is, are you going to let your bitterness, your anger, your unforgiveness, the disappointments, the hurts in life, the bad stuff that's happened in life, are you gonna let that change your identity? Are you gonna let that define who you are? That's the whole question that the third movie poses. Because what happens with Spider-Man? He finds out that Uncle Ben wasn't actually killed by the guy in the first movie, he's killed by this other guy who's running around the Sandman, right? So he gets filled with anger and unforgiveness and I'm gonna go get him. And there's that, there's that black suit, remember, that he has on? And suddenly he's a black Spider-Man and he feels the strength of his anger in that suit. And he ends up killing the Sandman. Killing. Superheroes always come back. Killing. But he's, you know, I feel the strength and, and he's like, that's not who I am. That's not who I am. And there's a beautiful scene. There's so much Christian imagery all throughout Spider all three Spider-Man. But it, he ends up ripping off the black suit. He's standing in a bell tower of a church. And he's trying to rip off this, this is not my identity. This is not my identity. He's ripping it off and he becomes Spider-Man again, doing what's right. He forgives the man who kills his uncle. The last line of Spider-Man, the last line of the most lucrative and successful movie franchise in the last is this. It's a voiceover by Peter Parker. And he says, I have come to understand that no matter what happens in life, we always have a choice. No matter what happens in life, we always have a choice. That's the last line of that movie. Wow. Okay. What do we choose? What are we going to choose? If you look in your handout, the last scripture I have in there is out of Deuteronomy 30. Let me give you some context to this so you understand um, what's about to happen. This is Moses, and he's speaking to the Israelites. And at this point in history, Israel's already been delivered out of Egypt. They've gone through the Red Sea, and um, he's brought them to the edge of the Promised Land. 
And God said, there's the promised land. There's your destiny. That is what I have for you. Go in and take it. I am with you. And what does Israel choose to do? I see a lot of big giants there. I'm not going to go. They choose fear. They don't choose to trust the Lord. They choose fear. So what happens? They end up wandering around in the wilderness. They make some good choices. They make some bad choices. Like us all. But the beautiful thing about the Lord is he gives us another chance. We always have a moment. The minute we make a bad decision, the very next moment we're able to make another one. We can make another, how are we going to respond to that bad decision? Are we going to make a good decision now? So they're standing on the edge, getting ready to go to the promised land. And here's Moses speaking to Israel. He says in verse 11, this command I'm giving you today is not too difficult for you to understand. It is not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask, who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear and obey it? It's not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask, who will cross the sea and bring it to us so we can hear it and obey? Well, that's kind of dramatic. No, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips, it is in your heart, so that you can obey it. Basically, he's saying, what this choice is, it's not too hard to understand. It's not too lofty that you can't understand it. And it's not too distant that you can't attain it. It's not too far away that you can't attain it. What is the choice? Verse 19, and this is the big movie moment. You can see Moses standing there, toga flapping in the wind, the soundtrack swirls, the soundtrack swirls up, and he says this, and the I is the Lord, really. He's speaking for the Lord. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses, meaning blessings of follow my way, it's the good, healthy, whole way, or the curses that happen, meaning the destruction that can come if we don't follow that way. We bring it on ourselves. I have given you today the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth, wow, to witness the choice you made. Eyes are on us, the witness of heaven and earth. And I love this part. Oh, it's an emotional word, I love it. Oh, oh that you would choose life so that your descendants, that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. All eyes on us. And I look around sometimes and I see this beautiful church and the people in it. And I know the stories of how this church came about. It started with a handful of people who made the choice to do it. They chose to sacrifice. They chose the tough things. They chose life so that we can all be the benefits of it. They told their story well at their part of history, the part that they, God gave them to play. They, they told it well, and we are the beneficiaries of their choice. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Our choices matter. They have a ripple effect. Our choices matter. One of my favorite quotes from the Shawshank Redemption it says here on the hand, you either get busy living or you get busy dying. I want to get busy living. I want to choose life. For it is God who works in us both to give us the will and the ability to choose life. We are God's masterpiece. We all have a part to play. Our choices matter. Tell our story well. 
I want to tell my story well. I want to make the right choices. Choose life. Choose life. In a minute, we're going to have our offering, and our, our time of giving as our custom is. And then we're going to have a closing song. And I want to say just a couple things about this closing song. The words are in your handout here. I asked the band to sing this song. It's called What a Heart is Beating For. And I love the words. You know, what a heart is beating for. We're created for a purpose. Birthed out of God's love. And why be afraid? No reason to hide. Take the chance. Put it all on the line. Draw in a deep breath. Throw open the door. Because that's what a heart is beating for. Today is a new day. You have a moment today. Make another choice. Choose life. That's what a heart is beating for. Let me pray. Lord, sovereign God and master storyteller, thank you for giving us life, for creating us as your masterpiece. And Lord, you've given us the ability to partner with you in your great story. You've given us the power of choice. Lord, help us. Give us that will, that passion, and that strength to do your will, to live a life worth giving, to tell your story well, so that our descendants and the people that come after us will be blessed. Lord, give us your strength. Help us to choose life, Lord. We choose you. In Jesus' name.